Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges they are facing. I'm Adam Goulden from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, helping businesses connect with top tech talent. And today I am your host. Today we are going to be discussing the topic of leading high performance teams within the modern tech world. I'm joined by Clive from Made With Love and Stephen Rook from Thrive. Before we uh, delve deeper into this topic today, um, I'd like us to work our way around, obviously, the small table that we've got today with some brief introductions. So I'll start off with you, with yourself, Clive. Cheers, Adam. Thanks for the invitation to come and be on the show. Uh, my name is Clive Foley. As you mentioned, I'm working with a consultancy firm called Made With Love. We're based in Belgium. Made With Love is a remote um, firm that helps specifically PHP-based um, software companies in Europe. Um, my role is a CTO in residence, so I go into firms who are having challenges working in a remote environment. Um, challenges range from technological issues to, to product-related issues, management leadership, etc. And I'll help them get to where they want to get to. Um, so the topic we're going to discuss today is very timely, but also very relevant to my day. It's been job. Fantastic. Thank you, Clive. And Stephen? Yep. Hello, uh, Stephen Rook. I'm uh, formerly CTO at Thrive. I've uh, just moved on from there, but but Thrive are essentially a learning and skills SaaS platform, uh, working with forward-thinking companies to um, help their their staff grow and and learn. Fantastic. Okay, so I suppose now we're we're all um, introduced. Uh, let's move on to the topic in focus. Um, we've all discussed topics around leading high-performance teams within the modern tech world. Um, as usual, I'll kind of walk work around the room uh, mention the topic that you put forward and um, ask for kind of reasons behind it um, each of you will have the opportunity to take um, on the situation so let's start with um, yourself then Clive we discussed kind of how is effective remote working a sign of a high performance team so I'll let you take it away and kind of build on this yeah sure um so I think we should probably start with what is a high-performance team and maybe agree on that. Um, for me, I look for a couple of characteristics um, which ultimately lead to the goals that maybe a business is looking for. I look for a team where trust is a solid foundation and people are able to be open with each other and they trust each other to be honest with each other. Um, if you have a foundation of trust, it enables healthy conflict. We're not always all going to agree on absolutely everything. Some of us will have different ideas on how to approach things. And if we trust each other, and we're able to have healthy conflict and healthy debate. Good ideas should come out, and ideas should win rather than, when say, people. Um, so if you can have that healthy conflict um, and debate ideas, and as a team uh, arrive at an idea that you want to try out or, or a goal that you want to go after, as a team you should be able to make a commitment that you want to go after that goal. So even if that idea wasn't yours personally, you were you had the trust of your team that you could debate it in a healthy way and the right idea won and you will commit to the idea even if it wasn't your own and this will lead to a team that is based on accountability we agree to do this we trust each other we debated it this is the way we want to go we're going to hold each other accountable that we all deliver our piece to make sure that this is the thing that we get to and ultimately we arrive at the result so whether that's an increase in customer satisfaction, an increase in customer numbers, an increase in revenue, a decrease in a negative thing, et cetera, et cetera, all these things lead to a results-oriented culture. And the reason I think remote working is a sign of a high-performance environment is because in that scenario, management will set context for a team and it will give what they're doing relevance. You know, we 
I've been working in a B2C space, folks, there's a real opportunity over here in B2B, let's go after it. So it gives what you're trying to go after relevance. From that, I think those metrics, which become around the commitment and the accountability and the results where I just think, they make everything measurable. And in doing that, to make sure that as a high performance team, you're hitting those metrics, you want to make them visible. So your communication becomes really important. So you're not an anonymous team just working in the corner. You're actually demonstrating how you're adding to the company, you're adding to the goal, you're adding to the mission, you're making forward progress. So if you have relevance as a team and you have something that is measurable and with your communication style, you're no longer anonymous, shall we say, inside your organization, and it's built on those tenants, shall we say, of a high performance team, this allows you to be able to work asynchronously because through the communication, through the visibility of your own results, which you are committed to, you're able to show how you contribute to the goal or the mission of the company, like I mentioned. And if you have that ability to work async, you have the ability to work remotely. You can be highly effective in a remote world. And that's why I think a really good remote company built on all those things I've just described is a sign of a very, very high performance team. I suppose through your career to, to this point then, have a lot of your roles been remote-based um, even prior to kind of the, the COVID times? Um, remote in a sense, and um, there would have been more hybrid to begin with. Um, so uh, I'm based in Ireland, so I, I would have frequently worked on a team that maybe was half the team was in Ireland, half the team was maybe in the UK or based around Europe. So there was elements of that hybridness. Um, Pre-COVID, yes, I was starting to work remotely, and then obviously COVID made us all remote. And what I've definitely seen uh, in the last few years I've been consulting is um, certain people do remote very, very well along the model that I've described. Um, certain people just take the office culture and then they did it on Zoom, um, which is remote by definition in terms of communication, but it's definitely not remote in terms of organization uh, being focused on results. Um, so, yeah, it's th- there's flavors of remote, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks, Clive. And I suppose for, for yourself, Stephen, any builds on, on, on that from your perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do tend to uh, agree that um, a, a remote team that, that's performing well, and I, I suppose that the, the thing to, to follow up is about the consistency, uh, consistently doing it and, and being able to show improvement and and target improvements. Um, like uh, the thing that that I'd sort of overlay to, to be able to get there is um, how do you remove handoffs from teams? So how do teams become fully self-sufficient? You know, are they are they a full stack team that they're, they're responsible for? Um, you know, uh, requirements through to deployments and and the writing their own infrastructure as code. Then then you can have um, truly high performing teams where they they get to set their own priorities. Um, you know, and then um, to uh, go a step further, you know, I, I'd want the I. The best teams that I've I've organised are um, domain aligned or, or stream aligned. If you're going team topologies, so that they actually get to set their own direction as well and set their own goals and feed into what what does good look like and what are we trying to achieve. Um, I because if you don't do that and oh and then being long lived, um, you know, so that you can actually build up the trust. Um, like 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 Clive was saying that that that's one of the most important things. You can't go uh, breaking a team up and then putting it onto something else. You you need to have the same people who've got the relationships and know how each other work um, uh, to, to be doing. But building that trust uh, is, is hard remotely. It's a lot easier in the office. You know, if you start off with a team um, who, who've met each other, and, um, you know, 
uh, generating the shared experiences, I suppose, is is one of the 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 hardest things I find about r- remote teams. That how do you have the false fun? Uh, that or that, but you, you get it over time, right? By by being in the trenches together and digging something out or saving or. Um, uh, but yes, no, uh, broadly, yes, very much so. Yeah, I suppose with with what you've said there, then, and kind of there being some difficulties around it being remote based. Do you? within the roles you've had in the past kind of meet up for collaborative meetings to kind of be to build that that team uh that team bonding yeah it, it's the um it so it's a lot easier when you're either fully remote or fully in the office so that you don't have any um second class citizens because if you've got some so you, you know you either need I, I found it works best where i have teams that are fully remote rather than you know, uh, four of the team being remote and two being in an office because it, it, uh, it's people get forgotten about or get uh, misplaced. Whereas if everyone's all, all the same, then, then it, it's a lot easier. You know, so you know it doesn't matter where people are in the world. Then if everyone's fully remote, um, it, it, it tends to work a lot better. Um, and then finding time where you can get people together really helps. You know, that you can't beat the human interaction. Um, so I, I've, and. Typically, I, I want everyone to have at least have the opportunity to meet up once a quarter in person, um, so that that you get the human interaction. I know I, I always feel a lot better after, um, yeah, um, uh, at Thrive, my my team were all fully remote, um, and I, I know that I felt a lot better for a good two weeks after meeting up in person again. And, and you know, you've got the buzz of people, um, and and I know we're we're all typically introverts in tech, but but we still like human interaction. Um, Brilliant. I suppose, Clive, have you got some some builds on that? I, w- I would agree with that 100%. And I think it's one of the main things that would give like the decision towards being in an office. It's the human connection. And I think from that human connection comes the trust. I think it's the one thing that you can't accelerate with technology, right? So, you know, you can get a package delivered to your house tomorrow. You can get food delivered in 20 minutes if you truly want it. Anything can be fast forwarded with technology. Um, accept human connections. It's like meaningful human connections. They are built very slowly over time and they're reinforced over time. And I think being in the office, you get that, right? It's kind of, let's go grab a tea, let's go grab a coffee, let's have lunch together. You have those bonds and sometimes you speak about the work, sometimes it's social. It's a huge plus for, for being in the office. I'd agree massively what Steve is saying as well about the hybrid. For me, it's not about being with say in the office or out of the office. Remote versus in the office is about systems of work. If you're in the office, you are synchronously communicating with people. You can get feedback in real time. You can share ideas in a more rough and raw form because there's a human there to give you feedback instantly. When you're remote, if somebody's potentially in a different time zone or they may even work different hours than you, how you share knowledge and how you get feedback is very different. It's very much based on the written word. So for example, if I want feedback from a colleague on an idea, I actually have to write it down kind of like a proposal um, and I would send it to a small group of people who I can trust who would give me feedback on an idea in a raw form and then I would shape it again and go to a larger audience and a larger audience until it's at a point where it's like yeah this is something that we can debate and decide when I go forward that's a lot different and the feedback cycles are a lot longer than if I'm in the office I'm not sure since I stayed I go Steve you've got this crazy idea what do you think you know and we can go we'll get tea we'll figure it out and it's it doesn't have to be as polished or thought through um, and 
I think that leads to two very different styles of building trust and communication, two very different styles in how we develop ideas, how we make decisions, how we become visible, how we manage people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, the debate is about these two systems of work rather than remote or in the office. But to finish out the original point, I don't see, I don't see a system where hybrid works. That's definitely where I, I would agree with Steve there. Um, not that it doesn't, it's just I haven't found it. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so this part of the conversation we're, we're having just now takes us nicely into um, Stephen's question, which we can build on with what are, the dis- what are the advantages and disadvantages of fully remote teams versus hybrid and fully um, on-site teams. So I suppose uh, I'd be keen to see kind of where you might have been in your careers. You might have done all three working models and have a preference now. Um or it might mean that you've had one particular style of working and that's always worked for you. So yeah, let's discuss kind of what the advantages and disadvantages are of the three working models there. Steve, this was your question, so after you, please. Yeah, I, um, so it, uh, for, for, for me, it's, well, the the, the advantages of, of being fully remote are your resource pool. You know, that that's, that's just the biggest one straight away. You know, um, where, if you're a fully remote team, it's, I, uh, I scaled a team that thrived from 10 to 70 and the only way I was at, reason I was able to do that at a time when where everyone else was struggling to recruit was because I could do it quickly and, and, and remotely. Um, now the, the, the challenges with that meant our onboarding had to be good um, um, and you know you have to have system again systems you know you can't have somebody sit next to each other and how do you how do you get people up to speed quickly and uh, again it helps to have a um, you know, microservice architectures that, where people can come in and understand things quickly and and, and get uh, become add, adding adding value quickly. Um, the the uh, the the disadvantages of, of of fully remote is that the, the time it, it can take to build the connections for for new people and and whether they can feel um, do, do, do they know that that you know we're an empathetic, vulnerable organisation prepared to share things. You know, people may be holding back and that it's difficult for, to. For them to know that it's okay to to say I don't know, and it's okay that you're not going to get um, chastised. It's difficult to pick up the culture as quickly, um, and, you know. So I suppose the ways around that I typically try to when when we have a new status to get them together as quickly as possible so that they get to have a, a human connection. It, it's harder when people are around the world. Um, so uh, uh, again, I, hybrid. I, I, I'm along the lines with Clive that it just doesn't work as well. You you, you need to. I've, I've in the past I've, I've organized people by locale right so I, I try and have a whole you know if if we're working with teams in India UK Vietnam I try to have the whole team in in India or in Poland or in you know and where they can work together and you don't have the cultural challenges as well you know that they're used to working with 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 each other and it, it's uh now there, there are some sometimes where that's not possible um um uh, and yeah, you have 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 people split, and and you have people who are in the office and not in the office, and it it's uh, it, it, again it comes down to to the, the the communication, and you've got to make sure that that you're recording meetings and and that that people get to see, um, you know, can can see see the information asynchronously, you know, so town halls are re- recorded and shared, um, and and there's a, 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 a things in place for for follow up that, that you can ask questions or um. Either in advance or, or, or retrospectively, um, the 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 I, I suppose then the advantages of, of having everyone in the office are, are that you become you can become lazy. You know, 
that you don't need to um, worry about asynchronous communication. You don't need to write the things down as, as much. And and, and that, that has pros and cons, right? You, you, can, you can move faster, but are you more effective in the long term? It's debatable. Um, uh, but the the so I suppose it goes if you've got a super high performing team you don't have this problem but uh, in in the past when the teams have not been quite as high performing remote I've um, sometimes struggled when things are going bad bad but you know when, when you're up against a tight deadline uh, if you're in the office you could say and it's been a you, you can you get a feel for the team easier and it's easier to feel that they're stressed and that they're struggling and you can say right it's three o'clock let's go down the pub. Um, and, and and actually you, you you can understand and people can unload a little bit more off site whereas a remote team you need to you know, you know I, I i have to schedule all of the the things essentially a year in advance because people have lives and 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 the the, the the build their lives around working remotely and you know they don't want to just be coming in ad hoc to meet up it, it, it needs to be planned and scheduled because they've got commitments um yes and so i've not found a a good virtual way to, to, to take people out the office <laughs> um if, if that makes sense you know um do lots of things like escape rooms or, or game jams and you know to, to to have a bit of fun competition and and uh, you know social non-work experiences but it but it's still hard i that, that, that that's a bit that I, I i when things are going great remote's a lot better but when things are not it's a how do you do you uh, turn it around that I've not I've not come up with a I've not got a good solution for yet mm. I suppose with kind of productivity then of the teams that, that you've led I mean how different is it being able to manage people on performance if you were in kind of a, in an office location as opposed to being 100% remote is that a difficulty that you that you found not particularly um I mean yeah you, you can still look at the same metrics you can still look at people's code um you know, I, I, and whether they're doing what what they say they're going to do, you know, when somebody commits to something, are they delivering it? Um, yes. Uh, as long as you've got a, a, a decent video um, and and you have a culture of having cameras on, you know, that that's a, a, one of the things that, that I always push for. You know, I expect to pe- see people in in in, in stand ups. I expect to see people in 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 town halls. That um, so that you can. It's not as good as being in person, but but you can at least judge people's body language. Um, and, and when you give a feedback, you could, you know, if they've got the camera off, you've got no idea whether they're giving you all sorts of reactions. <laughs> um, 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 but yeah, yeah. And, and then I, I suppose it's, it, it comes back to, yeah, having honest conversations with people. It, it, it's the same whether you, whether you're uh, in person or remote. You know, you've got to understand what what your team want out of life and how you can help them. Are they in the right fit? It, it, is there a different position that we can we can shape them in? What what and how? You still need to performance manage people and 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 do what you can to help them uh, become better. Yeah. Um, big time. Five. Some builds from from yourself. There's a there's a couple ideas that I um, have been putting together for a while now that I, I'm getting some su- success on on the management side. And the big one is that in a in a remote world, your job as a manager is to set the context and to set the reason to to you know the cause that will rally everybody around things. Uh, I've worked in offices, obviously, earlier in my career and worked for bosses who saw their role as to whip me, essentially, to make sure I was doing what they wanted and working every moment of the day. Whereas in remote, obviously, 
eh, that won't work because the talent pool has so many options as Steve was referring to, would be on a humane level. That's not actually how you motivate people. Uh, the two ideas I try to mash together, one is from um, uh, Patrick Lencioni, the idea of people, people's engagement uh, goes down massively when they feel that their role is irrelevant, what they're doing is immeasurable, and they're completely anonymous, right? So if they feel their role is irrelevant, they're not making an impact on their teammates, they're not making an impact on their customers, the first question they start asking themselves is, why am I here? So as management, your job is to set the context, the story, the big picture, and get them excited so that they can go, wow, yeah, I am contributing a piece to this great thing. In terms of making it measurable, it's like, as Stephen was saying there, working with the individual and going, right, so we're working on this thing, and you're responsible for this bit. And then putting the onus on them, as we say, the subject matter expert, closer to the problem and going, how would you measure success? What does success look like? So you get them involved in actually defining what success is. So when they're involved with it, they actually are closer to it in terms of, wow, I'm defining success here. I'm not just being dictated to. And from those metrics of success, if you actually then say to them, right, you're responsible for it. So I want you to start communicating how we're doing on them. So maybe that's putting it in a graph, sending out an email, running a blog post or whatever. But when they have that ownership of it, of ownership of something that actually matters, and they're responsible for the solutions that drive it up or down, whichever way it's supposed to go, and then they're the ones communicator around it, that's when you as a manager can start going, I trust you because you've got this, because you're communicating back to me what I need to see. And on the employee level, they're going, wow, my boss trusts me. And as I was saying earlier in the conversation, these become the, the cornerstones on which you can start to build things. There's another element to it from a guy called Daniel Pink. He would say that um, individuals, whether it's an employee or not, they, they crave autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So if you're autonomous, as in you have the power to make decisions about your own success, so if you have all the tools, all the knowledge, but you also have the trust to be able to make those decisions, if the problem is difficult enough that it requires you to master it, so you have to grow, you have to learn as an individual, and it has purpose, it has meaning, it has relevance to somebody, and as human, we 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 are happiest, studies have shown, is when we are in the service of others. So we're building something for somebody else to make somebody else's life better. That's where that purpose comes from. Lencioni's ideas and Pink's ideas, they're the opposite of each other. But I try to bring that together in any remote team that I manage. I set the context, I set the reason, and then I don't like this phrase too much, but I can't think of a better way to say it. It's kind of set the standards of what excellence is. It's, this is what we're shooting for, guys, in terms of testing, in terms of infrastructure as code, in terms of throughput, as in how fast it takes to go through a pipeline, how fast do we recover from an error in production, you know, downtimes, things of this nature. Set those bars and then trust the people to make the decisions to hit those numbers. Um, and obviously those people have huge input on, on what those numbers are. Um, I find in a remote world, that's the key thing. Um, that management style of context and building their trust slowly over time, rather than telling people, do this, do that, were you here at nine? Did you go for lunch at one? Were you back at two? <laughs> Did you leave at 5.30? That style of management, I don't think that works in the office, definitely doesn't work in hybrid, and it is doomed to failure in remote. And the one thing I've observed working with some clients and then also talking to friends is, I think when the pandemic forced remote on people, there was a management style that was working in the office that suddenly didn't work on remote. And I think a lot of management found themselves on the back foot going, I don't know how to manage people in a remote environment. Um, and just to finish off the point, I think that's going to become the number one skill with a sought after in the next three to five years is people who know how to manage remote teams and to make remote teams highly performant. Brilliant. Thanks, Clive.
Uh, I, I love it. I'm a big fan of, of both Daniel Pink and uh, Patrick Mazzoni and um, in the, in the books. And I've I've tried to implement again. It's long lived domain aligned teams. You know that 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 you, you get your intrinsic motivation. That that you know you get to you get to input into the the direction and what we're trying to achieve. And then, uh, as you say, metrics. You know that you, you, people like to know that they're going doing a good job. And so you need to be able to tell. But actually, if they're able to see that they're doing a good job because the 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 the, the smashing the metrics, it it, it just um, you know. And no, no, my my job as a manager has always been twofold. You know, it's it's to make life as easy as possible for my team and to make my boss look good, right? And and if it's, it's that's it. And then if everyone sort of has a similar the the the, the mindset, right? How do we how do we? Oh, well, look at these metrics. Aren't we good? And we're, we're smashing the Dora metrics. We're smashing, you know. Look, we're we're beating the industry standards. Where mm. you, you can feel proud about what you're doing, and what we're doing is having a business impact because you you know the business domain. You 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 you're, you're actually delivering value to to, but having the product team as part of the 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 squad really helps. Um, Brilliant. I think yeah. From a couple of things there. From from my perspective, from a recruitment side, um, I've still. I still work with and I still speak with a number of clients now in geographical areas that still want to kind of adopt having at least hybrid or they need to come in two or three times a week. We've had a long-standing cultural kind of um, family feel where we want people to to see people face to face. But I'm having to have honest conversations with them that they are really limiting themselves with the talent that they can um, you know that I that I can provide them, and I think that conversations like we're having now will be good for people like that to hear that it seems like a lot of remote-based companies now are having really positive, um, positive work. I think that it was natural for people after the pandemic to worry a kind of around productivity. Um, you know, like we've touched on them being able to manage people um, from remote spaces so yeah no some really really good conversation there guys so i'm gonna there's one just thing. one one little thing that you've also got to consider though um that when you are getting people together uh, um you know there is a lot of a lot of advantage of having people geographically close uh you know because of your cost right so if uh, if you've got somebody uh down in down in Newquay and and you wanting to meet up in scotland or you wanted to meet up in I don't know Nottingham that you you lose in uh, a day or two of traveling, you know. So it's how do you make it worthwhile to be meeting up and things like that. So there are uh, again more pros and cons that 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 that, that maybe get ignored a little bit, you, you know. So that, that you've got to think that, that what's your your full employee cost and what you're going to lose from when when you're meeting up body versus um, um, people in a looking, you know. So that there's there's again there's pros and cons with everything. Uh, so even having people geographically centered is helpful um even though you might be limiting your resource pool yeah and i think depending on where you are in your career and also where your remote world is matters a lot so i'm i'm nearly 40 right so uh, i'm late into my career i have built a network i have connections things of this nature if i was coming on the university now or entering the job um, market now and i didn't have that it's a little bit more challenging in a remote world um to build those connections, you can also find a mentor or somebody who will grow you or things of this nature. And as we mentioned, if if you have a management, um, say, workforce out there who isn't naturally skilled in mentoring remote employees, particularly junior ones, 
um, these people can miss out. The other side I would say is, Stephen, you've been hinting at it a lot. Like a lot of our social connections are built at work, right? Going to the office, you meet people. Oh yeah, you support the same team as I do, or you know, you know, I go running as well. Let's go for a run at lunchtime, kind of thing. You build these connections, and they help with the team bond. Um, I'm I'm very very lucky. So uh, I'm working here at home. My wife is here. My family's here. The dog is here. After our chat, I'm going to go and make a cup of tea. We'll chat for a few minutes, and I'll come back to work. I get my little bit of social interaction. If I was 20 years old, just out of college in a one-bedroom apartment in the middle of London, it'd be very easy to get very isolated very, very quickly. So there is a negative side to being remote, particularly for people early in their career. Stephen, you into theirs, that people sometimes are introverted, so they can get lost. Um, and I think that's something we need to be very aware of as well, is to make sure that anybody who's on our team who maybe might get lost a wee bit on the social side, to make sure that they feel involved and maybe make special efforts with those people because um, they won't build the trust, they won't build the bonds, particularly if they're a real good talent, you may lose them. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point, and I think it moves back to the point that, you know, maybe even I've got people that meet up quarterly, maybe that's not enough, maybe it needs to be at least one time a month where you, you meet up either for a social event or whether it's a business meetup at a location which everyone can get to um, so that you you do still have that face-to-face interaction. Correct. Brilliant. Too easy, okay. It's too easy to become isolated. Um, yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Okay, so moving on to um, kind of the final topic, which was one that, that Jack uh, had set, which I'll, I'll put to, to you guys, which is um, what are the biggest challenges you face with leading, leading a team in a globalised world? Um, Steve, do you want do you want to start on this one? I globalize the time zones every, every time. I, I, you know, uh, so where, where's your base of power? What time are people having to work to? Um, and that that that's that's the the hardest bit. And then, so how do you work around that? Is the asynchronous communication and and you have to be more thoughtful and more considerate, and, and it takes more effort. Uh, but but it's worth it. Uh, is the, the the long and short of it. Um, there, there are yeah, that that's that's over and over and again over everything else. It's 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 time zones and and what 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 you're having to do to people to to get them to you know. And we've been working with guys in Australia. Who is it who's staying up late or getting up early? What are you going to yeah. do? Um, and within you, the team most recently at Thrive, what did you work kind of internationally? Have you got different time yeah, zones there? Um, but just everyone worked UK hours, so that's you know predominantly the the team were were um, at UK with a, a couple in India and Sri Lanka and um, and um, sort of um, uh, Baltics. But again, it, it, you you're only losing an hour here or there. It's 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 not not a problem, you know. So, uh, for 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 syncing up, um, uh, where, whereas previously where I've been f- fully global, it, it, it you know. It just becomes a lot harder, particularly, uh, particularly when we we, we had uh, office-based teams, you know, um, because you, you'd you find people be in the office and commuting home to to do calls, and then you know, and but weren't set up for it. Uh, whereas if if you if you're a, you know fully remote, then it, it it's not as much of a chore because you know you can make the time back and and, and again adjust your life accordingly. Um, Brilliant. And Clive yourself. I think Steve hit the nail on the head on the time zones. I would say there's just definitely awareness of cultural differences. Um, it's very easy to think, oh yeah, I grew up where I grew up. You know, my society has these values. Everybody will have to say it once. There's a, 
um, a thing that was pointed out to me a couple of years ago, which I found very, very useful. I don't know how the correct pronunciation of this gentleman's name. So it was either Hofstede or Hofstede. He was a, um, a, a Dutch man who came up with the idea of uh, cultural dimensions theory. Um, and I, I believe he, it's based off of uh, interviews with IBM employees from the late 60s, early 70s, and then kind of developed ever since. But there's a couple of kind of cultural, say, values that are present across all societies, but they have different uh, strengths or, or sizes, shall we say, with them. Um, so like one of them is, for example, like, like power distance. Um, so um, based on this study in, in Ireland, uh, our power distance would suggest that we like things to be, we like power to be distributed and we like things to feel fair. Whereas in a country like maybe Croatia, um, they're more built around uh, power structures or natural parts of society and everybody's happy with that. If you look at things like, there's another thing where they call uh, uncertainty avoidance. So Ireland is more cult- comfortable with uncertainty avoidance, so we have lower regulation, whereas the comparable country would be somewhere like France, where they have loads and loads of, of regulation. So uh, these aren't my opinions, these are from the, the reports. Um, but knowing that, across different cultures will then help you with communicating with people from that culture, but also how to set up your team, how to build your own communication, what those people may or may not value. It's dangerous in one sense that you might say, oh, that's just a sweeping generalization. So everyone from country X is like this or everyone from country Y is like that. It's not a follow this to the letter. It's more of a a sense of this person may or may not feel this way. so um, that'd be the other thing I'd just say is the, the cultural challenges. And also echo what Steve is saying there. I have seen people who actually work remote tend to work more hours than people who go to an office. Because um, like that, the laptop's always beside them or phone is always there and they can always answer. There's an expectation that they're always on. Um, so one thing I've had to do a lot with people who are working remotely is actually tell them, turn off Slack, turn off the email, get out, you know, start your family life, life now. Actually, that's another interesting thing I found with time zones. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's a really good point there. Then at there at the end that there's days where when you're in the office compared to when you work at home, kind of moving back to productivity, how long you're actually working day to day. Sometimes you find it maybe more difficult to get away from your desk when when you're at home as opposed to it being in being in in the office space. So no, brilliant. Well, thank you for y- your time um this morning some really good um information and insights there i i feel from from my perspective i've got a lot from it and i hope that you've enjoyed um the, the conversation um this morning so that was today's um evolution exchange podcast um big thanks to to clive and steve for coming on and sharing the views with us um we would like to thank you for listening and and hope you could join us again soon